Hey, same old song listeners, this is Aaron. Just a little heads up before this episode, one of the readings is Song of Solomon, which is the Bible's exploration of love poetry. This episode discusses, as Ira Glass says on This American Life, the fact that sex does exist. We acknowledge that, but we also talk about some of the ways human beings have messed that up. We talk about the reality of sexual assault and other painful things. So just a heads up that that is what this episode is about. And if you don't want to hear it, or someone in your car might not be ready to hear it, you may want to listen to this at another time. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember that God loves you. That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Aaron, you're still looking fabulous. Well, it's been about seven minutes since we recorded our last episode, concluded that, and here we are again. Looking, I'm looking fresh as a daisy. Uh, you doing all right? We only, we only say that so that you all will envy us and our amazing skill and nimbleness around the word. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Nimble. Agile. Cat-like. Uh, like a gazelle, like a gazelle, that makes me think or a of young stag. Song of Solomon. Mm. So this is sort of funny. So you know, people in in um, in track one of the Old Testament readings, which is what we're doing as we walk through this season after Pentecost, as you'll know, we're kind of doing a buffet of the Old Testament. We 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 walked we walked through King David and King Saul, or King Saul and King David, then King Solomon. Uh, we. Um, now we're getting some of the writings attributed to Solomon, the Song of Solomon, yep. and then we're gonna get some two Sundays in the in the Proverbs, and uh, and then um, we're just gonna kind of move into some of the historical books and then the prophets. So we're this Old Testament survey continues. So they kind of throw in this Song of Solomon thing out of context, and it's the one shot you get to talk about it. And the Song of Solomon is like it's about sex, and it's graphic, and it's uh, beautiful. It's very sex positive. Uh, the term that they use these days, uh, this beautiful portrayal of Jake's losing his cool right now. He's just chuckling. <laughs> that 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 name, that word, sex positive, is know. just funny. I think we should so all go anyway. back to being sex negative. Things were much better then. <laughs> I'm negative on sex, but keep it unwrapped. Yeah, that's right. Keep that's it right. Uh, keep it unlocked. The uh, I'm thinking of Medea and the advice she gives to the her like young, her young female friend, like about. Getting, getting like a padlock or something. Anyways. Oh, yeah. Um, so Song of Solomon, it's this one little piece that's thrown in here, and we'll talk about it. And then we, um, we uh, in the epistle reading, we're, we start a new book. So if you're wanting to do, you know, if you just did a sermon series on Paul's letter to the Ephesians, now you have the, like, un-Paul, the, uh, the, the other mm-hmm. side of the coin a little bit, the, some of the, the, the interesting dynamic tension in the New Testament epistles, the book of James. Um, and then we have really amazing passage from the Gospel of Mark 7, 
uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7. And if I was preaching this Sunday, I would be preaching on this passage. But we'll cover all of it for you, um, beginning with uh, let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. That's, uh, that's from Salt yep. and Pepper, a uh, classic hip-hop track. From they the were so good. I was, in love with, I was in love with all three of those ladies, especially Spinderella. Spinderella makes it up one the, time. Mm, yeah, the DJ. Who was the mm, and salt and pepper? But anyway, yeah. So I mean, this is just this is. I mean, what are you going to say? This is a wonderful book, and uh, it's a book. Um, it's an erotic poem uh, inspired by a particular lover, uh, possibly written by Solomon. Who knows? But um, Solomon's name appears only seven times in this book. So. Um, but what it essentially is, is a collection of love poems told from the standpoint of a young man and a young woman as they celebrate their romantic love for each other. And, um, and uh, they talk at length about each other's bodies. Why not? This poetry is highly sexual, and Aaron and I, if we were Hebrew rabbis, we would be of the age that we could handle this book and teach on it. But um, uh, uh, basically, I think what this, the, the point of this book is, is, you know, I love that the, that the woman describes her husband as a gazelle, nimble and sure-footed, a young stag, strong and handsome like myself. But, uh, um, you know, the, the point here is, is that, um, I think, is that, you know, and this is something that I think this has been a big mistake in the church, is that we have run from sexuality, or we've allowed the world to find sexuality for us, human sexuality. And, uh, you know, and the truth is, is that sexuality is... Um, uh, sexuality and sex is created by God, and it is intended to be enjoyed. And uh, why should Hollywood, to quote William Willimon, why should Hollywood have always have the first and the last say on love and on sex? Mm. And I think this is an important place for the church to kind of step in. I wouldn't do a sermon. If you are going to preach from Song of Songs, uh, Song of Solomon, make sure that you don't preach from the pulpit, but you get your vestry to purchase a giant heart-shaped bed <laughs> by which you can, uh, you know, do a, and place that in the chancel, and then, you know, you and your wife can talk about all sorts of things, but that's what I you would do. You think Jake is saying. kidding, but there is a church in Texas where the pastor had a big bed put on the roof of the church, and like Absalom with David's concubines up there on the roof, I guess, you know, reenacted Song of Solomon. Anyways. For 30 days straight. Yeah. 30 days straight. It was insane. This is one of those and things where, like, like husbands are like, sounds reasonable. <laughs> and wives are like, what? I would never. I just, <laughs> I think, like, by day four, like, the fourth week of that sermon series, I remember, like, watching on YouTube that poor wife, and she just seemed a little overwhelmed. A little, <laughs> a little bit. Anyways. Good grief. Don't do it. So anyways, yeah, if the, the, do it. I would say the, the passage, <laughs> do it. It's like good cop, bad cop here. Uh, don't. I'm doing it. I'm definitely doing it. So anyway. <laughs> the, it's funny the the, um, the, you know, these days, if you were describing a good looking person, you wouldn't necessarily use the terms that Song of Solomon uses. Um, if you say your lover's teeth are like sheep, Coming up from the shearing, probably not going to go over so well. Um, if you say someone's breasts are like two deer, uh, again, maybe not the best these days. But uh, it, the poem is beautiful, and it celebrates uh, romantic sexual love between two people. Uh, really kind of wonderful. But the church has been scandalized by it because it is so graphic, and they... Um, 
uh, a lot of times this has been interpreted as a as a metaphor about the love between Christ and his church. And there's something to that. You can get there a little bit. To me, that always kind of sketched me out a little, a little bit. Gets, yeah, it's a little undress me Jesus yeah, candles. Jesus is my boyfriend. The- and uh, yeah. Um, Jesus lying on the bearskin rug. So it just, it's a little, it's... Rose petals <laughs> in the tub, now it's jumping. Star rockets in flight. So it's, uh, don't, it, it's just about sex. And that's great and wonderful. I mean, the first commandment was be fruitful and multiply to Adam and Eve in the garden. And sin had not entered the world. Sex is not inherently wrong, dirty, evil, bad, or sinful. And uh, mm. there's been so much shame that's been put on it. And that has more to do with the devil than with God. Uh, so there's, there are biblical, so the the thing about sex in the Bible is, uh, man, this episode, it's getting away from us. Well, I was going to (laughs) say the real thing about sex in the Bible where it's different from how the world understands sex is that, um, uh, the Bible is, as we said at the top, as I said, and then you laughed at me, sex positive, but it doesn't countenance the exploitation or using of other people it never forgets that people are made in god's image so a lot of the things that people have seen is like why you gotta cramp my style and why the church gotta come down on sex and put all these rules around it whatever and it's because sex often is a destructive force in people's lives and people do get used people do get exploited and the whole idea was to try to protect and care for people um, so that sex was not exploitative and so that sex was beautiful and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so. absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, let's just talk about it since we're, let's talk about sex. And, uh, I mean, the fact is, is that Christ, in Christianity and in the Bible, um, uh, it is not about the objectification of a person. Mm. Um, it is about two, uh, two people coming together, husband and wife, and uh, the giving of themselves in heart, mind, body, and soul. And the giving of a body without the heart and mind uh, attached to it is, uh, is an act of absurdity. And uh, it wounds people. Now, it's not to say that, that, that things can't be forgiven, but, but it, is, it, it, is, it, is, it, is, it is a heavy burden and it hurts people. And uh, it's not just simply like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. That is not what sex is, and not even in the world. There's an interest, there was an interesting article a couple of years floating around New York City about how uh, a lot of children, kids' first like sexual experience, like these girls were talking about, how they just basically, for lack of better words, were raped. And uh, because why? Because these little boys have been watching like their dad's porno for the last, you know, five years and they thought that that's what what it was about and so all the more what William Willimon says I mean I think that the, the church instead of shying away from sex should actually be speaking about it and speaking about it from a from a from a Christian and a biblical understanding that it is um, that it is it is intended as you said by God um, to be enjoyed and uh, not as the objectification of people if you're finding yourself having to dress like nurse Nancy or sailor Bob all the time well you know you got to get that checked out this is these descriptions um, are descriptions actually like being described as a stag or a gazelle are ones of honor and respect and that's what you see conveyed um, uh, in the Song of Solomon yeah that's right and I think uh, you know um, we're one of the things that's so amazing about how sex, it always kind of blows my mind watching the way sex is portrayed on sitcoms and TV is just um, Mm. how it does pretend like people don't get hurt. Um, That you can, Mm -hmm. you know, the sort of the myth of casual sex, um, 
that it, because as you said you are a being mind body heart soul all of that sort of stuff and to the I, to 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 give yourself to someone else and pretend like you're not giving yourself to someone else requires massive compartmentalization um, otherwise it hurts too much um, mm. and requires you to dehumanize yourself on some level so uh, yeah all that to say is um, the Bible presents a very beautiful picture of sexuality and it's in the Song of Solomon and I don't recommend you preach on it because it's sort of almost too much to handle in a sermon uh, and for the record that came from your side not mine the sirens. Yes, that's right. So. That was that was the one crime in Waco today compared to like the Armageddon that's <laughs> happening outside Jake's window every day in New York City. Uh, Can I just, uh, but I do just want to say um, uh, one more thing about it, and that is um, that um, the, the purity culture and how it has caused so much destruction in the church. Yeah, super destructive. And uh, has, you know, and I mean, when I was a, when I was a youth minister, I was involved in like a a purity project, and I, I, I kid you not, I think more more souls were conceived than were saved at some of the some of the purity things that I was involved in. But um, and um, but I remember you know uh, hearing a very famous preacher in Texas talk about this, and uh, he said that he was at a purity conference one time, and uh, this pastor like was talking about how it's so important to um, to be pure, you know, and keep yourself, and blah 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 blah, and. And, uh, you know, and he had this rose and he was like, this is you. And he passed it around and he was telling everybody to touch it and people were passing it. And then when the rose came back, it was like this wilted, crushed like flower. And he was like, now who would want this? Who would want this? And uh, the pastor from the congregation yelled, Jesus does. Amen. And so, you know, I want you to know that no matter what has happened to you in the past or what has gone on, or your thoughts, uh, you are a rose, and as crumpled as you may be, Jesus wants you, and he always makes your life a beautiful bouquet because you are his bride, mm. and he is your bridegroom, and he is faithful to you no matter what. Yeah, and the thing is, there is nobody that's not a crumpled rose to use here. Like like everybody, <laughs> whether you're a virgin or whether you're the opposite of I have no petals that. left, so anyway, right. I'm so, just telling you. And that's the thing, the, the, one of the things I think that purity culture has done uh, that's really destructive is to sort of uh, um, make people feel like to stray from the boundaries of what we would understand as sort of moral, ethical, um, loving sex. Uh, and to say if you if you don't do that, you're like the worst person ever. Sexual sin is the worst possible sin you can ever, and you're like, you're the worst person if this happens. And, you know, um, why, why are there no, you know, purity conferences for how you spend your money or purity conferences for... Um, uh, any number of things like it just it's just we're so fixated on it and it's so unhealthy and anyways well and and not to jump ahead but and because we're going to get there but what that is is that is the uh that is the outside defining the inside yeah and uh, that is the problem all of this all of this stuff you know these culture wars that we're finding ministers getting involved in it is outside defining the in and uh, and uh, and you cannot ever get at the root of an issue when you're busy defining fruit. Mm. So we come then, but uh, we come then. This like provides a perfect bridge into James, which is oftentimes uh, kind of the text by which uh, ministers run to in order to you know put a clamp on Saint Paul and in order to really begin to uh, uh, allow the church to define, allow the outside to define the in. And uh, you know what you need to know is James has been like this disputed epistle amongst a lot of uh, 
like Luther called it an epistle of straw, uh, but then uh, later he referred to it as an epistle of law. And that's what it is. This is the Christian book of Proverbs. Uh, there is a zil- you've got to really, you've got to know how to handle the word of truth. As we talked about last week, you've got to understand the sword of the spirit to handle this text. Uh, because you can destroy people if you don't know what's going on here. Um, but the other thing, too, is, is that you'll always talk about people, well, we've got to hold Paul and James in tension. Got to hold Paul and J- wrote Galatians and James in tension. Nonsense. Go back to the book of Acts, to the Council of Jerusalem, mm. and James was at that council, and he agreed with St. Paul. And so when we approach the book of James, we always interpret it through St. Paul. You never interpret St. Paul through the book of James. You always interpret St. James because he agreed with St. Paul through, and that's called biblical hermeneutics, and that's like an important way. So just setting it up, but what would you say about James? Yeah, so, you know, we've talked about what getting deeper and deeper in the gospel, deeper into the truth that God loves you and there's nothing you can add to it, that his love is unconditional, total, complete, and your sins are completely forgiven. You become a freed person a free man or free woman uh, who is loved, and that feeling is um, incomparable. And once that happens, you become someone, as that happens, it's a process over time, it's not a one-time thing, but you become someone who is quick to listen because you don't need to shut other people down because you know that you are loved and you can be at peace. You don't have to make sure everybody is fixed all the time because you know God fixes them. You can be slow to anger because, again, anger is always based in fear and you don't need to be afraid of anything because you know you're loved. Um, you uh, you are persons who uh, who want to care for people at the end of this passage. Like he says, true religion is to care for orphans and widows in their distress. You've become someone who's not needing to always curry favor and spend time with powerful, rich, and important people, but you're now you're okay with spending time with people who can't offer you anything, widows and orphans in this case, that would have been in James's day. Um, so this is just a beautiful picture of what it looks like to be someone who is at peace with themselves because they are so loved and they can't fall out of God's good grace because he holds them so tightly in his loving hands. So um, that's that's what I think James is, and he is uh, he is arguing against people that heard St. Paul and sort of heard St. Paul as a license to go to Vegas and drain the ATM and go to the clubs and just and you know live as prodigals, which is not what Paul was saying either. And Paul makes that clear in his writing. But so so James is kind of, come, to the extent that he's writing against anybody, he's writing against people that would abuse the teaching of St. Paul. And if, and, you know, we have said before that if, if you are preaching the gospel, people will think you are giving people a license to do whatever they want. And there will be people who do then do whatever they want. But they would have done that anyways, no matter what you said or not. So just always preach the gospel. And as you do so, you'll see that lives by the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit begin to look a little bit like what James is talking about here uh, because it's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in them not because they try hard to do it yeah absolutely I mean and 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 James lays that out he says every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is where it's from above 
And as you have said a number of times on this show, and as we learned from our mentor, uh, mentor Paul Zoll, this is a one-way street. Every good and perfect, it's not a two-way street. It's not like every good and perfect gift comes from you and from God, but from God alone, who's the Father of lights. He gives us everything. And this is this perfect gift, which is Christ's righteousness outside of us, which is the gospel. This is what, and this is what ties it into the Song of Solomon. You must understand this, my beloved you understand that? So he is he's referring to these people because they are the he's the pastor and they're the bride of Christ. So um, this is this gift from above is, has has changed everything. And uh, it does, as you said, it it um, it makes them slow to speak, et cetera, et cetera. But I love this be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. You know, um, it is in uh, I never forget this David Browder, one of my first times to um to the south, uh, he drove me around, uh, and we drove by a church called the Doers of the Word Church, and it was really funny because their yard was like filled with weeds, uh-huh. and like the sign was falling apart. It looked kind of like Calvary Church, but anyway, um, but uh, um, but to hear the gospel, when you hear the gospel, when you hear this perfect gift from above, this is what makes you actually a doer of a word mm. of the word. You know what I mean? This is what uh, pulls you up outside of yourself to actually, for the first time, think think of someone else. You know, and uh, and uh, this is what draws us to the one who ultimately um, held his tongue, was pure of heart, and uh, gives us true and unfailing religion. That's right. And uh, now we move on to Mark chapter seven, where some people who carry very care very much about the law, the Pharisees and the scribes gather around Mm. Jesus, and they notice that Jesus seems to be okay with his disciples not following the protocol for hand-washing. Now, post-COVID, we understand hand-washing very well. And in Jesus' day, uh, not only did it have a hygiene component, but it had a religious component as well, uh, because there was so much concern about cleanness and uncleanness and coming into contact with unclean things, and you would never want your dishes, your pots, your pans, your hands, your lips to come into touch with anything that is unclean. And apparently, Jesus contra the upbringing of his disciples and probably his own upbringing as well seems to be just totally chill with uh not keeping absolute kosher you know and this like in the manischewitz plant um not too far from where jacob smith is right now like if something contaminates the line that makes the matzah bread like they shut that line down and they like you know power wash the whole thing um so this is a real deal still today in parts of jewish culture uh and so, and Mark has a little like parenthetical notion. He explains kind of what the deal is and why they do this and the washing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Pharisees notice that Jesus' disciples aren't doing it and they're deeply scandalized by it. And, you know, it's like, why aren't you doing it? And Jesus, um, you know, he points out that, well, you know, this is a human tradition that's been invented and you're forgetting the deeper meaning the, and the, the reason for it and all that. Um, <laughs> and Jesus then here lays out, and this is the, this is, to me, this is what you preach on. This is like ground zero for low anthropology and a teaching about what human beings are. So there's this view that human beings um, need to be washed from the outside in, that we need to clean up our external behavior, and that the church will tell you how to do that, will tell you what the right behavior looks like, will then tell you to do it, and you will just then put that into practice. And Jesus has the opposite view. 
not as like sin as dirt that needs to be washed off of your body, but a condition that lives internally inside you and will continue to produce this stuff. Uh, you're like pig pen and peanuts. Like as much as you wash yourself, you're, you're just always going to be covered in this cloud of dust because it's it's baked into the cake. Uh, um, he says, it's not what goes from the outside that can defile you, but the things that come from the inside because Jesus knows that in the human heart is all this stuff, evil intentions, fornication, theft, murder, blah, 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 long list. Um, and that's that's the human condition. We're not great people. We got something deeply broken inside. And the song that you want to preach on is NXS's The Devil Inside, Every Single One of Us, The Devil Inside. Michael Hutchins, rest in peace. Ha, 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 ha. Um, so, but you're absolutely right. I mean, and, and that is that is the issue is that uh, I think oftentimes, you know, when people are preaching the law, when people are preaching prescriptively, they are preaching the outside in. They are preaching, um, you know, uh, yeah, and uh, that, and really, the outside in is just putting lipstick on a pig. Um, uh, I love this. This all ties in. You know, you do not talk um, and write poetry about a person uh, that you find in the Song of Solomon if it's from the outside in. Mm. You know what I mean? It is, uh, uh, you know, the, we had, uh, we, you know, just think about, you know, you just think about every accountability we've been, group we've been a part of, Aaron, in our life, and we were a part of one together. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, where it is like trying to prescribe something like, you know, just it's forced, mm. relationships are forced, uh, uh, friendships are forced. You know, you become a project. I just, I mean, there's one person around here that with the, about a month ago was like, I just want to be really intentional with you. And I was like, I just want to get the hell out of here. Like, get away. You know, I do not want to be intentional. If Melina said, I just want to be intentional with you, I would be like, count me out. What I want is not from the outside, not from the outside in, but we want to come from the inside out. And that is what then, um, but that's what becomes an enabling word then for you to see your beloved as the gazelle and the stag that they actually are. You know, that becomes the, I mean, it is all of these things. It, it takes away the front. And this world, especially in light of everything, I noticed that we just had a big, like, young adult event. And, um, and people didn't quite know what to do. You know what I mean? There was all this, like, uh, there was all this, like, learning how to socialize again. And, um, and all of a sudden, when people began to say, like, they, they could put down the front, they could go from the inside out. I mean, the event was supposed to end at 8.30, and nobody left my house till about 11 o'clock. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, but that was because things were happening naturally. Things were happening because of love. Things were happening because every good and perfect gift that comes from above was actually present in that room. And that's what Jesus is talking about. You know when you're uh, dealing in the realm of Pharisees because nothing is actually real. Mm. But when you are um, when you're dealing from the inside out, from within, well, then you're bearing fruit, and things actually become true. Uh, they become actually for the first time ever, including sex, mm. holy. Yeah, there's this story. This is kind of in my mind because I've been reading the agony and the ecstasy about Michelangelo. And there's this architect in Rome who was charged with building the new St. Peter's Basilica. And he was getting huge amounts of money from Pope Julius II to build it. Uh, but he was using most of the money for himself. And so 
to get the construction done, it still had to look like he was building something. So he built these columns, and instead of using the proper ratio of cement to sand to make concrete, uh, he was really using mostly sand and very little cement. And on these columns that he was building, instead of them being solid all the way through, he was just filling them like they were hollow columns filled with broken up rock and debris. And um, of course, Michelangelo warned him and said that it'll fall apart. And the guy drove him out of his house and said no, because he was just keeping a little money for himself and cutting corners on this construction project. And um, there are lots of things like that I saw when I lived in Central Asia, kind of Soviet building practices, a lot of cutting corners and things like that. And the thing is, you can slap as much paint as you want on those things. You can make them look as pretty as you want. You can plant nice flowers in front of those buildings. Um, but ultimately, it's all going to come tumbling down because the problem is on the inside. It's rotten to the core. And this is what Jesus is saying about human beings. If you address things from the outside, you'll never get to the root problem. What the gospel does is says, let me forget about the external stuff. Let's go to the heart. Uh, for, and Jesus does this in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you, if you've lusted after someone in your heart, you've already committed adultery. You've heard it said, don't commit murder. But if you uh, have an angry thought about somebody, you've committed murder. Jesus goes to the source of these things. Um, and the, when you put the spotlight on the source, the human heart, you begin to say, oh my God, I need a savior. Uh, if, you, if you just focus on externals, you can sort of fake it till you make it. You can maybe make it look like your life is okay but at some point the wheels come off and the cracks in the foundation show and jesus always goes to what's really happening inside and there's so many examples of this this is so imminently preachable you can make this real um mm. you know the ira glass on this american life in an episode called uh, vox diaboli voice of the devil talks about um his wife um being at home with him and the doorbell rang it was a delivery guy and um, she was kind of still in her pajamas, kind of revealing, not that uh, modest of an outfit. And um, he asked her if she would get the door, and she said, no, I'm not really dressed. And he said, you're fine, go get it. And she wasn't fine, and she did it. She answered the door, she was embarrassed, and then later, and he realized immediately afterwards that he was wrong, but he said, it's not like I had a decision to make. Am I gonna be self-centered and lazy and not get up from my chair? Um, or am I gonna be like, kind and magnanimous and do the right thing and get up and answer the door. It's like what he says, what amazed him about the thing is how quickly his brain just was the self-absorbed brain and he didn't have to think about it for a second. And then also his brain immediately came up with justifications and excuses and rationalizations for why he was allowed to do that. It's amazing how good your brain is at figuring out why you don't have to do your chores, why you don't have to exercise. I mean, why you don't have to be nice to person, why you're justified in yelling at somebody who cuts you off in traffic. It's just, there's so many examples of why we're so good at being terrible. And Jesus names the thing here, the brokenness that's on the inside yeah. of us. And this is why we need a savior and we can't fix ourselves, which ultimately points you to the cross. Yeah, I'd encourage everybody right here, if you want to really understand the distinction between the inside and the outside, uh, read Leo Tolstoy's Father Sergius, Amen. that short story. Yeah. I mean, that is an insane, insane story. Um, uh, yeah, just, if, you know, summertime reading, the dog days of summer, pick that short story up. It'll take you about two hours to read. But um, that is all about what Jesus is talking about here, the inside and the out. Well, there we go. We've covered a lot of ground from Song of Solomon, stags, gazelles, and the beauty of sex, uh, now to Leo Tolstoy, um, that crazy Russian nobleman who became like a peasant and got really into Calvin. Uh, so 
I think, I mean, gosh, we've covered all the bases. I think that'll do us Is for it? the 14th uh, Sunday after uh, after Pentecost. Anything else? We, any Indeed. rock left unturned there, Jake? Um, no, I think we got it. <laughs> See you next week, everybody. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production, and remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.